when we talk about football teams, we usually talk to head coaches and some star players, but there are a lot, and I mean a lot of people behind the scenes that ensure a successful future for these players. Jack, today we're going to meet one of them. Exactly. He's a guy who's been a player, he's been a broadcaster, and now he is helping players get to the next level, and you're going to hear his backstory. It's really, really intriguing. This is On Your Sideline. When the final buzzer sounds, the game is over, but their story isn't. Time to hang out on the sidelines and learn the real stories of these sports icons. Welcome to the On Your Sidelines podcast with the News 3 sports team. Bring it in, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the On Your Sidelines podcast. I'm Sports Retro Rex Castillo, joined by... Weekend Sports Anchor, Jack Patterson. Guys, we got a great show for you. But before we get into it, time for, of course, that t-shirt check. Jack, kind of wearing a hint for our next guest, aren't you? I am, but we're going to start with you, Rex, because we should just let my shirt go right into where we're going today. And that's why Jack is good at his job. So I'm wearing a Serve to Lead shirt. It is uh, the organization by Tim Fanning over at Glenwood School, a phenomenal organization that helps spread baseball and also does a lot of great community work in the area, but also overseas. So just shout out to Tim Fanning for everything that they do. And yeah, just a better look at it right there. Ah. There you go. And Jack, go ahead, sir. By the way, after you get done watching this episode on your sidelines, go back and check out the episode with Tim Fanning if goosebumps you haven't seen it. Uh, yeah, goosebumps, that's the word. Uh, I am rocking the Callaway Cavaliers, their football team, defending Class 2A state champions. Reigning defending champions. There you go. And that leads into our guest today, Rex. Everybody, say hello to the recruiting coordinator, coach, Mr. Everything, a, a man who loves that program as much as possible, yeah. Andrew Carraway. How you doing, sir? Man, I appreciate it, guys. Uh, you know, this is a, a fantastic opportunity. I'm glad to be here. Uh, you guys have been crushing it with the podcast, been watching it from afar. So I'm just, I'm just happy that you uh, uh, gave me the invite. So really excited to be here. I feel like we're kind of returning the favor because you had us on your podcast yeah, way back true. when. Yeah. So I feel like it's just kind of returning the favor. But um, we'll get into that in a little bit. But Rex, why don't you kick things off, man? Well, Andrew, thanks again for joining us, man. I appreciate Be- it. Before you got to here, still rocking the Callaway C, <laughs> but you played. For the Cavaliers, what was it like playing? And did you play for Coach Wiggins as well? I did. Uh, I got played for Coach Wiggins. He got hired my junior year of high school, believe it or oh, not, wow. 2005. Uh, back when, uh, you know, old Jack was stomping at Shaw High School. <laughs> and they, were, they were over there trying to – they were winning state championships over there. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, our offensive coordinator, Zach Giddens, his dad was actually the head coach uh, the first two years there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Coach Wiggins got hired uh, my junior year, 2005. And – uh, just turned a program around that had was very new at right. the time. It was less at that time, less than ten years old. Uh, founded in '96, but you you were in the shadows of of Lagrange High School uh, and Troop High School in, in the in the county. So uh, you know he came in with a lot of work to do, and I feel like over the his tenure at Callaway, he has really built something special. So. Wow, absolutely. And you talked about how when Coach Wiggins got hired, Derek kind of change the culture you've kind of had a front row seat to you know to all that what has it been like seeing it through your various lenses well from my lens you know obviously I always joked about this on my podcast that um the Cavaliers were always that team that you know if we were a four seed that was a good season uh you know go 500 (laughs) we were normally the the homecoming uh, team every oh. it seemed like every time we were on the road it was homecoming for the other team oh, and uh, brutal you know and and you you played against some really tough competition you know starting in single A moving up to double A and uh, you're playing uh, Manchester back in their their heights uh, you know you got Pike County and and Heard County's always been good so um, you know it's just been crazy to see how 
you know, I remember my senior year specifically, Coach Wiggins tells his story all the time. We were a four seed. We had to go on the road to Washington Wilkes. Uh, they were the number one team in double A at the time. And uh, we had kind of, we had stood toe to toe with them all game. And it was one of those games, they were heavily favored. We were on the road three hours away from home. Brutal. And uh, we, it was about a minute left in the game. They ran out a halfback pass and they scored a touchdown, took the lead. And, and we were just like, oh my gosh, can't believe. And we run the ensuing kickoff back to their 10 yard line and just came up a little short trying to punch it into the end zone. But that game, Coach Wiggins always talks about, he felt changed the culture for Callaway as it, we went from you know just being happy to be there to expecting to win. And that game showed that the Cavaliers can play with anybody. You know, if we play our game with the athletes we have, we can play with anybody. And that kind of started this run. And obviously, that was my senior year. Both my little brothers played for Coach Wiggins. They got to be a part of that ride with Quan Bray, uh, with Terry Godwin, and and those guys. So just to see from 2005 to last year, just how far. And, and I would say the program's just been on a, on a rise since then. It it's it's been incredible to watch just. How, how this program went from who, who's Callaway to, you know, you you are talked about with the, you know, if you think about double, you're talked about with the Thomasvilles and mm-hmm. the Fitzgeralds and the Rabin Counties and the Lovitz. And, you know, you have a brand name like, like Buford does. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's incredible to see how this program has come so far in just less than a decade, in less than, you know, 15 years. The amount of pride is something that's very special to, to, for us to cover, for us to see, and see the passion that not only the, the players, the coaches, but the fans do too. What's it like to be part of that program? Because there's a lot of pride in people. I play for the Cavaliers. I play for Callaway. And mm-hmm. as you guys call it, the Seaway, yeah. it, it's very special. What's it like to have been part of that? Uh, it, very special. Um, you know, obviously playing there uh, back when I was a, when at that age, the cool thing was to be a Granger or to be a Troop Tiger. Right. You know what I mean, so it was kind of against the grain to play at Callaway and just to, to, to stay it to, to kind of stand it out with them to kind of to work th- through things just to see how far it's come just to to play with them uh, I'll say our fans you know obviously Hogansville High School had a lot of tradition and history that school closed when Callaway opened so you got a lot of those fans that came in and you get a lot of pride a lot of energy from the Hogansville community from the Lagrange community uh, they're a little town uh, Mountville, you know, unincorporated little area I live in. It's in it's in uh, East Troop County, but uh, it, there's just a lot of Callaway pride. A lot of people that have supported this program from day one, um, and I tell you, it's just incredible on Friday nights to see you know that those supporters in the stands. And also the biggest thing, and you guys have seen this covering the team, is when we go on the road. It doesn't feel like we're on the road. No, not at all. You know? I mean, Jack, I think you saw it this year at Opelika. You know, you yeah. were going on the road to Opelika. You cannot question their tradition and history. They're no. one no. And, and and a little bit off topic. One my favorite road environment to play in. They oh, have yeah. an incredible well, stadium. stadium is incredible. Yes. It's gorgeous. It's one hundred percent gorgeous. A hundred. Uh, we have so much respect for their coaches, their program, and, and and to go on the road. That's our second time playing down there. But man, I was telling the kids going in there, I was like, man, this is an incredible atmosphere. This is gonna be awesome. But to see our fans match, oh, it was well, a I playoff can... atmosphere in week one. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I think that says a lot about our tradition and how much passion that we have. And heck, when we played in the state championship game last year, uh, I, I felt uh, I felt the entire all of Troop County was in was over there at uh, Fort Turner Field or uh, Center Park Stadium. Yeah, Center Park now. Stadium. So, Still uh, weird to call it that. It's really strange, you know. <laughs> yeah. But just seeing all of them lined up there on that third base side, just just really going crazy for us last season, man. I, I have a lot of respect and 
uh, we, we really love Callaway Nation. Whole lot of black and red that night, that uh, that day in, yep. in Atlanta, especially, yeah. which we'll get to. But go ahead, yeah. Jack. We, we will talk about that. But, you know, after your playing days were over and you said you had, you know, your brothers that played for the program, but you never really was too far away from the program. Right. What ended up bringing you back to Callaway? At, you know, your next step with Callaway was being the play-by-play voice. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that was an interesting journey. You know, I had always, uh, when I went off to college, I had uh, I kind of wanted to get into coaching, but I'd always had a passion for, I'd always loved to listen to uh, radio broadcasts. So as a kid, you know, d- there's times I'd listen to Larry Monson outside or, you know, you'd, you'd listen and you'd hear Eli Gold or the late Rob Bramlett uh, and, and just hear them call the games and how much passion and energy they had for their programs. And uh, just going to college and then kind of starting life, you know, working, being a young guy, just kind of finding your, finding your footing. I, the one common thing I always had on Friday nights of the fall was my brothers would be playing. Uh, one of us, a, a Caraway, had played for Callaway from, you know, about 2004 all the way to 2014. So you had a 10-year <laughs> awesome. period That's nice. of us watching football games. And, uh, you know, it, that was always the one constant as I got to see that program grow from a fan's perspective. And I got and I felt that there was really no one else in the area that outside of the current play by play man, which I'll talk about in a minute, the the that preceded me, Tony Walls. I actually played grew up playing with his son, uh, good friend of mine, Luke. Uh he had been the play by play guy for the Cavaliers and then Jack Mormon and uh 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 Greg Hicks who do who do the troop games. They had always Callaway had always been like a, you know, we're, we're just going to throw everything together. Here's the Cadillac broadcast. It never really had its own thing until Tony started doing it. Well, it was about 2015. Uh, Tony, I got a random call. Tony called me, and he goes, hey, man, uh, I'd love for you to come help me this year, kind of shadow me, because I don't think I'm going to be doing this for forever. And I don't think for, for – I feel like you would be the perfect person to take over for this. And I thought for a minute, I was like, why me? You know, because but the thing is, is I just I guess I'd always been around the program so much, and my parents had always been such huge supporters, and he felt that I would do a good job. So, 2015, while he was on the radio, I was in the booth listening. I was on the sidelines listening. I was soaking it all in. And in 2016, we were supposed to be our first year together. He was going to be play by play. I was going to do color. Well, he he calls in and uh, and and's like, yeah, um, I'm gonna go ahead and retire. You know, and uh, uh, you know we. We had kind of scrambled, and my friend uh, Shane Andrews, uh, they, he said, okay, I'm going to do the play-by-play. You'll do color. We're just going to learn and do this together. And I will tell you this. I, I'm a very big critique of myself as a broadcaster. I go back after every game, and I would listen to myself and say, let's not do this here, <laughs> or let's, let's do this more over here. Uh, that first broadcast was rough, buddy. Uh, that was uh, I. What was funny though? I had so many notes, and you you could probably relate to this. I've had so many notes the night before. I was prepared, man. Yeah. I, was, I blew through them in the first segment. Mm-hmm. The first Jack. The first segment. Oh no. So when we go to break and come back, I am literally shooting from the hip. <laughs> I, I I I learned really fast to go into detail on your bullet points and not just gloss over them you know it was a learning experience for me yeah. but that that 2016 season was so magical the, the team went undefeated uh won the region championship uh went on and played uh, in the in the semifinals one of the greatest games i i have ever called and i will say that it probably i i will exclude the state title game 
I mean, okay, that that is on its own level. Yes. But but that game at Screven County in 2016 oh, yes. is the greatest football game I've ever seen in Callaway history where back and forth game, back and forth game, and you go on a 98-yard drive with two minutes left to win the game, and you convert fourth down three times. That's insane. And the, on the road. On the road in a hostile environment. And, and a little background on Screven County is they were the team that, that – ruined LaGrange High's playoff run in 2002. There was oh, a big wow. controversial, you know, fair catch, not fair catch thing over there. Well, they were still talking about that game when we got there in 2016. They were like, they, they were like, y'all play LaGrange, right? We're like, yeah. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're in our town as well. But they're like, oh, we beat them. We're like, well, that's good. You hadn't beat us yet, though. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and anyways, you know, fourth down, you leave Braylon Sanders wide open over the middle of the field. And that's a good idea. Not recommended. Takes it 30 yards to the house, and it just – I will never forget, uh, you know, in play-by-play, you want to give your play-by-play guy room to make the call. I didn't do that. <laughs> when that happened, I was—I felt like that Larry. I broke a chair. I came right through a chair. Like I was so excited when that happened. And then they do the onside kick, and they're running around, and I see the clock zero. I'm like, so if we tackle and it's over. And the minute I see him go down, I'm like, I'm yelling into the mic, Callaway wins, Callaway wins, Callaway. And my buddy Shane just looks at me, and he's just like, hey, that's all you, buddy right there because he knew how excited I was but uh that season was a lot of fun to call um but that's kind of how I got into the radio thing and it just it just grew from there it just grew after that just took off wow being the voice of the Cavaliers too I mean you you captured the passion I think that that really was a great fit so we fast forward to this season yeah well at what point did you as the play-by-play guy you saw a lot of stuff come together Mm -hmm. and you saw you know a, a name like Tank Bigsby leave campus off to an amazing career at Auburn yeah but when you lose a, a talent like that there's a lot more questions than there are answers about Callaway right uh, around the state mm-hmm. uh, obviously you guys knew you had something special but was there a moment in the season as the play-by-play guy where you go there's something different about this team yeah 2020 uh obviously we've talked about it at nauseum the COVID situation sure. yeah. but here's the thing everyone dealt with that yeah so it wasn't unique to us all right so uh, dealt with COVID, but the, the biggest thing we knew going into that season was everyone was thought, okay, they lost Tank Bigsby. But you didn't just lose Tank Bigsby. You lost your left tackle, Tate Johnson, who's at Auburn. You lost your starting center, Zach Neighbors, who's at uh, LaGrange College. You lost your starting wideout, Jacob Freeman, who's at Georgia State. You lost another Antonez Blunt, who's at Valdosta State. You lost Jamir Jones. There was a lot of guys you lost. You lost a ton team. of guys. A, a third, lot uh, of talent. And, and, I, be- I believe that was the like the largest signing class in Troop County history at that point. Yes. It, there was a lot of guys uh, that we lost. But here's the, the thing that we knew going into the season is you had a third-year starter in Demetrius Coleman at quarterback. Uh, you had a tailback in Charlie Dixon who could have started anywhere he wanted to in the state and, yeah. and played behind Tank. And he played a valuable snaps behind Tank Bixby. A lot of people forget in 2019 Tank got hurt against Troop. And Charlie came in and ran for two touchdowns against the Tigers and was able to help us win that football game. But uh, you had a, a playmaker like Jalen Shepard who, who since his freshman year had always been the quiet guy in the back of the end of the defense who if you needed a pick, you know, he'd randomly come out of nowhere, there's your pick. he gets get your interception and – uh, there was just you had a good O line coming back, a good D line coming back, great linebacking core. But uh, just going into the year, you know, you obviously you lose your offensive coordinator, a longtime offensive coordinator, uh, Coach uh, Napier, lost him to Lagrange High School, uh, which he's doing great things at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 shout out to him, he's getting to live live his dream as a head coach, doing great things over there. But back to COVID, you hire a new offensive coordinator, Zach uh, Zach uh, Giddens, 
And Giddens, uh, it's a funny thing, like we talked about, his dad was the head coach at Callaway. Yeah. Giddens uh, came from East Coweta. He'd been at East Coweta for three years uh, as a quarterback's coach, receiver's coach, things like that. And uh, we hired him in, and he had the same problem everybody else did, is you didn't have summer workouts. Exactly. So, you didn't have opportunity to right. install an offense. Right. Pretty much cold going into the season. Right. So you come into the year – and you're relying on that defense. And mm-hmm. one thing is, you know, early in the year, the defense is always going to be ahead of the offense because offensively it's so much about rhythm and timing. Defense, you're just reacting right. to what the def- what the offense is doing. And when you have Dusty Hubbard, who's been there, defensive coordinator since the beginning, you can kind of lean on that early. To answer your question, when did we know we had a special team? I think we went on the road to Thomas County Central. Uh, and, you know, they've got – I mean, heck, we pulled up and they had a, a mural of Charlie Ward on the team. I mean, there's, <laughs> I mean, they are a – when you talk about the who's who in Georgia high school football, TCC is on that list. Yes. The tradition and history that they've got there. We pull up and we see that mural and we're like, we're about to get rolled. You Damn. know what I mean? They say, you know, it's South Georgia. South Georgia football is just different. Yeah. There, you know? yeah. Yes, it is. I don't care what anyone says. South Georgia football is just different. There's so much energy down there. Thomasville, Thomas County Central, Valdosta, Colquitt County, Lowndes. Yeah. You can keep going. There's mm-hmm. so much tradition down there. Brooks County, mm-hmm. right? Um, Peach County. I mean, you can keep going. I mean, Irwin, it's, you know, ECI. Like, yes. we, could, we could go on and on. It's incredible, the, the pageantry. That they've got, it feels like college football. You go down. I do a lot of work in South Georgia, right. and you, uh, you walk around like you're a Georgia fan, Jack. You walk around your Georgia, your Georgia polo on, and and you know, down there they're walking around with Valdosta polo oh, yeah. during the week. They're ready for Friday night. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean, and Saturday's just a byproduct of Friday night. Right. You know what I mean? It's so, an extension. Yeah. So, it, we go down there on the road. It's raining. We get there. It's raining. The game starts a little bit later. You got a wet turf. You got a lot of fans there. We're in an environment we've never been to. They, it, we're on their home, the Jackets Nest. We stand toe to toe with that team, and then we go into the fourth quarter with and Demetrius Coleman with his, uh, you know, his his uh, kind of patented last second drive, just calm, cool, collect. Him and Jalen Shepard uh, connected a few times, and then with seven seconds left, uh, he hit Shepard with a with a slant route for a touchdown, and we go up, you know, sixteen to fourteen with about seven seconds left in the game, and we pull out the win. We sat there to ourselves and said, man, we might have a special a special team right here. Because a lot of teams, and I'm not saying Callaway team, I'm saying this, teams in general, when you're in that environment, you have every excuse in the world to quit. Sure. Or to say, when Thomas County Central goes up late, you're like, ah, well, we tried. We tried, right? We, we, gave, we gave it an effort. Yeah. A, gr- a great effort. I, I felt the, the response on that drive was a championship-level response. Mm-hmm. I felt that was – uh, I think my radio call, I had mentioned he had ice water in his veins when he threw that ball, and, I, and he did. Demetrius did, and, and that was just a heck of a win. And, but it's just at that moment you felt that, man, we got a special team right here, right? This team came – I feel like that's when that team really just kind of clicked as a unit. Because um, either game you'd have the offense play really well, the defense play – but it just felt like it, the whole thing clicked in that game. And that's that's when we knew we had something special. Now, let's fast forward to um, – the month of December, because last year was the weird we year yeah. where the, <laughs> the majority of the playoffs yep. took place in December. And you, Callaway faces a gauntlet, a murderer's row. Yeah. You know, you had that first round bye, but then you played Lovett, you played Thomasville, you played Raven, you played Fitzgerald. Right. To see Callaway go through every game. And it wasn't, it wasn't, the thing about that playoff run was it wasn't never the same game. Right. It was, you know, when Love It, when you played Love It, it was a defensive slugfest. Mm-hmm. 
when you played Thomasville, it was, you know, you had to wear him down. Mm -hmm. And then when you played Raven, you had to stop Gunnar Stockton. Right. You know, when you calling calling those games and when you're going through that, what's going through your mind during that playoff run when you see, okay, we knocked off Lovett, top 10 team. You knocked off Thomasville, top 10 team. You knocked off Raven, top 10 team. Like, this might be the year. Well, I tell you, when we saw that side of the bracket, uh, <laughs> we had all joked and said, "Man, the three seed looks nice." <laughs> like, seriously, though, no. side, you know. So, but but you know, you go and you beat her, and you're the you're the region champions, and and we knew what we had in front of us. Um, you know, uh, you know, Banks County was a first round team. Uh, you know, obviously, you wish you could have played that game, but they had some some issues uh, health wise with COVID. They couldn't make the trip, so it was forfeited. Got another bye week in a season full of bye weeks, uh, mm -hmm. you know, last year. And, um, you know, I, I feel like as the season progresses for a lot of teams, you end up getting more you, more guys go down with injuries. We've yeah. proceeded to get healthier as the season progressed. That's the best way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we, when we played Love It, we, we were at 100% capacity at that point. And, um, you know, you look in, and here's the thing, is you had to play the fourth rated, the third, the second, and then potentially whoever's in the state title, the first ranked team in the state to win a championship. So you're like, if you're going to win it, you're going to have to earn it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you play a team like Love It, coached by uh, Coach uh, Muschamp, uh, Will Muschamp's little, uh, older brother, I believe, uh, at Love It. has been there a long time. Uh, heck of a coach. They are very well coached. When you see Love It on the schedule, you know what you're getting. You are getting a hard-nosed football team. You're going to have to come, you know, say the, the old cliche, the lunch pail, the lunch yeah. pail yeah. game. And you guys were there for that. And, uh, Charlie Dixon had a heck of a game there. Demetrius made some plays in the passing game. But uh, that defense, you know, Jalen Shepard picked off two balls in that game. Cam Smith picked off two passes in that game. And uh, that defense last year just seemed to make big plays when it mattered the most. You know, Lovett drove down the field opening drive, I'll never forget. And then Cam Smith intercepts the ball in the end zone, just kills the drive. Mm -hmm. And you could see their whole side just, oh, yes, oh my gosh, we drove all the way down. And then – that game was so back and forth, but just, you know, to see that defense just feed off that offense, just one of those things where it's tough sledding offensively to score. Defense, like, hey, we got your back. Hey, we got your back. No problem. And it get, that game goes down to the final drive. Jalen Shepard picks off the final uh, pass of the game, and, you know, you're moving on. to You're like, oh, we're going to the second. Oh, wait, we're going to the quarterfinals. You know, because <laughs> well, we, we didn't mean, play that, last week. That game was almost like a semifinal round it in the like Sweet it. 16. It felt like it. It felt like that. And then just from the in the booth – uh, those playoff games, I tell you, uh, one thing I always try to do broadcasting is, okay, there's a lot of people have different opinions on this. So obviously you guys are sports reporters. So you, you've, you've got more of a duty to this area to, to be uh, non, you know, to be partial to everybody here. Right. Yeah. right. So that's, that's what you have to do when you're doing play by play for a team and you are wearing team paraphernalia that they give you. Mm -hmm. It is my duty to be brought, uh, brought that broadcaster for that team. Right, yeah. that makes my, a lot of sense. Because my yes. thing is, and people and people will adamant adamantly disagree with me on this, and I don't care. It's fine. <laughs> is the other team has their own broadcasting? Yeah, agree. I don't. I don't need to tell you their story because their stories. Be if you want that story, turn the dial to them. One hundred. I'm going to tell you our story, mm -hmm. and that's how I call games. Is but you could say I'm biased. Yeah, I'm biased. I want us. I, it is us and we and them. That is that is because I am broadcasting for us. Right, I played there. My brothers played there. I've got a lot invested in that program. And then on top of that, I'm broadcasting to the Callaway Nation, which is part of me, part mm -hmm. of part of my DNA. And 
I felt it was my duty to them to, t- to tell a story in a, in a passionate way that they could relate to. So I tried to really, hit, like, I, I grabbed some broadcasters. I've listened to broadcasters. I, I felt I always liked the way Larry Munson did things, but I felt he was very ultra negative. So I try to take <laughs> I try to take the the Larry Munson aspect and turn it into a positive energetic vibe where yeah. every I wanted to make every play sound like the biggest play of the game, and that's what I try to deliver. Right now, I will say my downside: I'm not a fan of referees that just like they can't they just get in the way of the game. Yeah. It's like yeah. my thing is is don't over officiate a game. Call the stuff that needs to be called and let them play. You know, like yeah. uh, if you're running a play to the left and there's a hold all the way over here, right? What, what are we doing? Why are we like? And I'll say that on the radio. Like, what are we do at this point? What are you? What are we doing? That has nothing mm-hmm. to do with the. Well, you are getting in the way of a game here. There, you know what? As Gus Johnson would say, a referee that's being over officious. Yes, yeah, that's yes, fair. yes. It's 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 let these these teams play these these powerhouse teams play and. Uh, but yeah, that, that Lovett game was crazy. You go into Thomasville, you're like, oh my gosh! First time you ever played them. Thomasville's got, they're the fifth rated ranked team in the in the state as far as wins all time. I mean, they they're the team. They've been around for five times longer than Callaway has, right? Mm-hmm. So you are not only playing Thomasville, you are playing their tradition, their their culture, their everything they've got over there, and. Like you said, Jack, it was one of those games where we jumped on them early. I think we kind of surprised them a little bit. Uh, came out, uh, big pass play. Uh, picked them off first drive of the game. Uh, Shepard again picked off a pass and uh, was able to cash in with a long touchdown pass and then forced a defensive stop and then get another touch. I think it kind of shocked them a little bit going, oh, okay, we got to take this team seriously. They come back in and, and it tied up. It's 14-14, anybody's ball game going into the second half, and it's just – Callaway did what they did all season long is in that second half is they just they went on a roll. They went on a roll, got up. I, I think the play of the game was Charlie Dixon. It was a third and long, and Charlie uh, back at the – I think it was about the three-yard line, ran about a 97, 97 yards. <laughs> and His name is Charlie. <laughs> Last name Dixon. I, Everyone remember that one. I, I remember getting a text after I made that call. Uh, I started kind of like, oh, he's got a first down. Oh, he's got a first down. Oh my God, we've got a touchdown! Kind of, kind of thing like like that. And this guy, my friend, texts because you you almost made me wreck. I was so hyped after that call, like he was listening to on the radio. And, and see, those are the things, the compliments I like to hear because yeah. I want them to feel the energy in, in, in the room. And, and that touchdown to me broke Thomas Hill's back. Mm-hmm. Um, and because the next series they throw a pick six, and it's just was at that point it's over. It was, it was over. It was over. Yeah, I rem- you know I was at the game and I remembered that run, and I remember like Charlie should have been stopped for like a three-yard game. Yes, and he and said no. Nah, <laughs> I got it. No, I'm taking, <laughs> yeah. I'm taking this to the house. Right. You know, you're exactly right. Yeah, it, it, it was such a special play. And then, to you know, seeing the defense get a pick six. And we, another thing, too, at that point, the defense had intercepted four passes against Love It. Love it. They had intercepted, uh, I believe it was uh, one, two, three, uh, three more passes against Thomasville. So you had seven interceptions as a defensive backfield. And it wasn't all by one person. You had right. Osiris Revis, you had Jalen Shepard, you had Cam Smith, you had Ladarius Williams, all with picks, multiple picks. And so then you're going in to the semifinals, and 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 it was one of those things where you, it's all week long, Gunner Stockton. Yeah. Rightfully so. Okay, the kid is a heck of a player. Right, yes. And he's a heck he's of a person. Absolutely. Okay, he's a great person. Um, or in the spotlight, yada, yada, yada. It's just one of those things where, I, I and I've said this on my show too, where I feel people that – cover high school sports the biggest flaw i think is people cover programs less and people more 
and I don't and, and, and when I say people I mean recruits mm. my thing is is you get so watered down with the story when you focus on one player yeah right, right. so because here's the thing how many people are reported on Gunnar Stockton a hundred other people so right. your story becomes watered down and you're missing on other stories that no one else is telling that there's an opportunity you're fighting for that market of people that are already going to read that stuff when you're missing out on all these great stories. That's why I have a lot of respect for what y'all do is y'all tell the stories for everybody, right? Like, like Carver is a fantastic program. Got all these high-end players, but y'all t- y'all treat, you know, when you go over there, you treat Columbus High the same way. Well, yeah. or you treat Northside the same way. I like that. I feel like that is what helps make high school football great is mm-hmm. when we focus on the towns, the teams, the group of men rather than one player. And that's where I have a lot of respect for Gunnar Stockton is he's one that deflects – onto his teammates, gotcha. and I think he mm-hmm. does a good job of that. Like, he's a heck of a player. You're going into this game, uh, you know, obviously everyone in the state Rabin, has already penciled in Rabin County versus Fitzgerald State Championship game. Um, you know, I, I have – I will say that there was no question from the opening snap who the better football team was in that football game. And we just came out and said they haven't played anybody that's punched first. They have, they have played everyone who's been ultra – worried about the we said we're going to attack these guys we are going to we're, our our pass rush is going to be good our dbs are going to play well and offensively we're going to execute and to me that was the the state championship game obviously you know we'll get to that in a minute i felt that was the most complete football game we had played all season against raven county you jumped on him his second pass was a pick six i think that sent a message right there yes that, that that you're not just going to come out here and just it's this isn't sorry no offense to this isn't North Georgia football up here you're not just going to just throw it and he's going to be open we're going to we're going to be in the passing windows we are going to be in the face of your receivers and you're going to have to earn it if you're going to drive the ball on us and, and at that point your DBs had multiple picks and it's not yeah. by just Jalen so everyone has confidence that I can take this thing to the house if I get it yes and and that's the thing and then here's the thing the pass rush got home mm-hmm. we sacked him we forced us we stripped him of the football now here's the thing we. We like we did all playoffs. We jumped on them. They made a run, closed it. It was fourteen nothing. Made they made it fourteen ten, and then the play of the game to me is when Raven had felt that they okay we're back in this. Demetrius Coleman, whose number doesn't get called often in the run game, but mm-hmm. was called on this play, houses it sixty yards on like the minute <laughs> they kick they they uh, score that TD to go down fourteen ten. We we come out in the first play, we just snatch every ounce of hope they had mm-hmm. at yes. that point. You just you just felt that side deflate, and then that third quarter you go on a twenty-one nothing run, and you know, and you just put it away. Yeah, including another patented Charlie Dixon <clears throat> like just back breaking long touchdown run, and it was just one of those things where. But even in the radio booth for me calling it was forty-one ten. I'm like, this is not enough points. Really, you know what I mean? I'm just because I'm sitting there thinking all the heartbreak that had been happened to that point. Yeah, because you, know, you know the way you you touch on it. Callaway's playoff history yeah. is a lot like, you know, I hate to make this analogy, but don't do it. Like don't an Atlanta sports team. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I mean, I mean, uh, there's a, there's a lot of similarities there. Just one thing we, is bound to happen. We found different ways to break your heart. Yeah. And and, and, it, and, it, and here's the thing. It was just, 
you know, the year before that, you lose on the last play of the game. Yeah. Driving in, you're on the, the five-yard line against Brooks County, and you can't, you can't convert. Can't push it in. You know, you're on the – you know, you're in the red zone against Rockmart the year before, and you just can't – you can't close the door. And we, we had felt like we had gotten that point so much. So, everyone naturally in the stadium in the third quarter is like, it's 41-10. It's like, it's not. We need 50 <laughs> points. We need 60 <laughs> because we know who's on the other side. But just to see that team going into the fourth quarter say, we're not going on – that team – you know, had been through all that heartbreak. And that's where people in the preseason didn't understand that 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 group had been together for those three runs, right? So it wasn't like you had a senior class that hadn't hadn't been to three. This senior class had been to three straight semifinal games. Crazy. And they remembered the heartbreak. And so that fourth quarter, quarter you remember that, is they just shut the door. They, they said, no, we're not – we are not letting up. And then, you know, I know they scored uh, with – it was kind of a garbage time touchdown late in the game. Stockton scored on a run. But I think that – that game sent a message to the rest of the state that said, man, we've been trying really hard to keep Callaway out of the top ten because they, that's all you heard all year was they don't have tank anymore. They don't have mm-hmm. tank. Right. They don't have tank. don't have tank. I'm like, that team was so much more than tank. Yeah, it was. You know? And a lot of people don't realize it. No. You had a quarterback in Demetrius Coleman who the year before, with Tank Bigsby threw for almost 3,000 yards and 40 touchdown passes. Bonkers. But no one talked about that. They talked about you lost Tank Bigsby. Rightfully so, but it's like that goes back to my reporting. You focus so much on one player, you miss the whole story around you mm-hmm. of who's of who's coming back. And you go into that state championship game against Fitzgerald, another team that we had had history with. We'd actually played them the year before, put them yes. out of the playoffs, so we knew <laughs> they were going to want to do the same thing, return to favor. But I mean that that team was so physically gifted and talented, and just playing in that environment so loud. Um, did we play a perfect game? No. But I feel like when it mattered the most, once again, that Callaway team, if it's on third down, they made the play. If it's on defense, they made the play that they needed to make, and that was the difference in the game. We get to Atlanta. Yeah. The, the stage is finally set. You're in the booth there, and you're seeing your team. Again, a, a Charlie Dixon back-breaking touch. And I think for him to make that touchdown run mm-hmm. after he fumbled earlier, yes. and we uh, Jack did a great job getting a, a hold of him at post games like, he made a statement like I wanted to make up for that mm-hmm. mistake. For a lot of that team, I think ownership of their mistakes, and but also an ownership of like I'm doing this for everybody else was really special to watch. Was that a huge key factor playing for your brother, playing for that person next? Yeah, year? you had no egos on that team. You didn't hear. I didn't, I'm not getting my touches. I'm not getting my numbers. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about that. It was about winning. It's we had we we've done all this to this point. We have got to get over that hump. Yeah, and they got over the hump. They could have been like, okay, we're at state. We did it. <laughs> They're they like, let's close the deal. We saw how hard it was to get here. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and close the deal at this point. And like you said, there was that game had so many big moments in it. You know, uh, I think one that gets lost in the whole thing, because you, know, you had a long touchdown pass to Billingsley. And right. first, yes. a very pretty ball, probably the prettiest touchdown pass of really Demetrius' nice. career. Uh, you had the touchdown run by Charlie Dixon. But the touchdown run by uh, Demetrius Coleman, right, but when the half ended. Yes. Where, Gave you all the momentum. My because – uh, Fitzgerald was starting to come back. Yeah. Yes, they they were starting to come back, and Coach Giddens rolled the dice. You know, you could have kicked there, got the field goal, went up eleven to three. What a random score! Because <laughs> you had a safety, you know? right? Because we because we had gotten a safety earlier in the game, uh, and he elects on their three yard line with. And, and look, if you don't get this, you get nothing. So it's mm-hmm. an all or nothing thing, and he elects to go for it, and we we cash in there. To me, that's the play that won the game right there, because from that point on, Fitzgerald. It's doing a lot of things. They're you know try, to try to catch back up to you, and then you know obviously they made some plays, and then here comes Charlie Dixon 
rumbling down the, the left sideline again. And here's the thing that people don't understand. They, he's 6'3", 230 pounds. He runs like a track star. He's fast. He yes. is fast, okay? <laughs> and just being in the booth, I'm going to tell you this right now. When that, when that final play was about to happen, the last play of the game where Fitzgerald's going to throw a Hail Mary to win it, to try to win it, I was drenched, <laughs> okay? My, I had sweated through my shirt. I had sweated through my jacket. I had sweated through my pants, my socks. I was drenched. I was so I had I had to take off my headset and dry my head all the wow. time. All right. I was so emotionally spent, and so was my broadcast partner, mm-hmm. my play-by-play guy, Chris Wheelis. Uh, shout out to him. He's still there doing his thing. Uh, but man, we were so when we called that last play and we see that he's got pressure, he's stepping up, and we see the ball short. So we're like, okay, let's pray to God we don't have a prayer in Jordan here right here you know yeah. so something to and then when I see Shepard intercept that ball go on the ground and just you just I don't know it's on the call I watched somebody uh Coleman Vice this the radio director uh for Eagle 1023 actually filmed the final call right you can tell when he catches it I let out such a sigh of like you could it felt like the world was off my shoulders now that's just me I couldn't imagine what Coach Wiggins felt like exactly. right? or Coach Hubbard felt like who had been through this this battle. But just as the broadcaster, it was just one of those moments where it's like, you know, a lot of people will script what they want to say there in that moment. I wanted it to be as organic as possible as a call. fan. Like like I, like I you and me are in, in, in a restaurant enjoying a beverage and we see our favorite team win, you know, this the World Series or the Super Bowl or whatever it is, right? I wanted to have that kind of my moment with our listeners where we felt the same kind of emotion. And I tell you, it was, uh, it was a really special season. It's one I will never forget. Uh, never forget. Absolutely, man. It's one that as you know, a sports supporter, I won't forget either. So you go out on top, you know, um, that st- state championship game was your last game as the play by play guy. As you stepped into your new role, uh, with the football team, kind of tell us about how that came about. So the the year before, I had actually done. Uh, Coach Wiggins had kind of hired me behind the scenes. He had asked me if I would be interested in joining the staff in a capacity of uh, helping with social media uh, for the team. Uh, so I run our social media accounts, uh, but also wanted me to help with recruiting. And, uh, you know, the first year doing radio, recruiting, and social media. That's uh, a lot. That's a lot mm-hmm. on top of a full-time job. Yeah. yeah. Right? So I don't even work at the school, you know. So uh, it was one of those things where at the end of the year I sat down with my wife and I said something, you know, Coach Wiggins uh, had offered me an opportunity to actually be on the staff this year, uh, being a member there and being able to help him. And I said, I've got to make a decision where I- I've got to give something up. And so I decided to give up the play-by-play, which was very tough. But I felt if I'm going to go out on top, you know, go out, I'm going to go out with the state title game. Yeah. So I gave that up. I had been doing a podcast for a little while covering multiple teams. I felt it would be a disservice to our players to be, you know, be promoting other other teams when when I'm trying to focus on what we're doing. Right. Agreed. So I felt it was in the best interest of myself and our team to shelf my podcast, which. I won't say I will. I will. I, the door is open. I will. I. I will always probably go back to being a play-by-play, right. whether it's mm-hmm. at Callaway or somewhere else when this is all said and done. Um, and the podcast will always be there too. But um, I felt that to do this job to the best of my ability for Coach Wiggins, but also the players, I needed to be invested one hundred percent. 
on Friday nights for them. You know, that makes a lot of sense because as we've seen your role, I think has become so incredibly vital to the future of these kids because there's a lot that goes into recruiting uh, and there's a lot of pressure on a lot of young men to go from there 16 to 18 years old. A lot of decisions need to be made. And, you know, the phrase of it's the most important decision of your life. It can be. And without guidance and someone like you in their corner to like, all right, we're going to go to name location. Right. Here's a guiding hand. Has it really put the players at ease to where they can now just enjoy the recruiting process? Yeah, I think so. Um, Because I'll say this, you know, there's a lot of people out there that try to make it, you know, it's not, it's not one person that does this. I'm just a key. I'm just a, uh, I call I'm a vessel. (laughs) I'm just a messenger here. Right. What I do is I try to put our kids' story out there. I try to put their information out there. Coach Wiggins is a huge help to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coach uh, Zach Giddens is a huge help to me uh, in, in helping nurture these relationships with these college coaches, but I can't do it on my own, and, I, and no coach can. And if they claim they can, that they're, they're, they're lying to you. Right. This, is a, this is a group effort here. And I'll tell you the main thing I tell our kids uh, when it comes to the recruiting process here is – there's only so much that I can do for you, but you have to learn to promote yourself. But I think there's a lot of life lessons that come from that. Uh, you know, you're, you are always going to have to promote yourself and market yourself throughout life, okay? You're, when you, you, you have to apply for college, okay? If you get into school, why, why should they accept you, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, when you leave college and apply for jobs, what do you got to do? You have to market yourself. You have to give a reason for WRBL to hire you, mm-hmm. right? Yep. You have to give a reason for my place to hire me, right? You have to learn to market yourself. If you want to meet a young lady and get married, you have to be very good at marketing yourself. Fair. Right? Very fair. You know? Very, very fair. <laughs> I mean, look at me. I, I mean, if, if it wasn't for my sense of humor, you know, my wife probably wouldn't even, it would be like, I don't like this guy. You know what I mean? So it's, it's one of those things where I'm trying to teach these kids that, okay, I'm here to help you, but I'm not here to do it for you. Right. You have to have ownership in this. And I think the biggest thing is that's all the kids want is a little bit of guidance of how do I get started doing this? So that's what I do is I make a PowerPoint presentation. I talk to a lot of college coaches of what they look for in this stuff. But the main thing is, is I try to give these kids the ability to put how to put themselves out there and market themselves, right? Um, and I'll say this too. I mean, there, there's a lot of people that do this role, college recruiting coordinator. Uh, there's a lot of people that do a really good job of this uh, throughout the state, um, people that I am friends with. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also a lot of programs that don't do this. I'll tell you what, what, what I do, the school doesn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know what I mean? It's just a luxury at this point of someone that's able to help you with this. So it's one of those things where, yes, you have it, but don't take it for granted. Yeah. And the reason I say this is I won't, I won't divulge names here, but I'll say I was recently on a recruiting visit. And I put this on social media a while back because I felt that we had people that had kind of taken for granted what we do. And I wanted to put a narrative out there of what we do is we are here to help you. But you, let's keep this in perspective. I was on a visit with two of our seniors. We were at a school, a Division One school. I was approached. We were approached by a group of young men from another school in Georgia, uh-huh. all right, other side of the state. And they saw our Callaway stuff, and they said, oh, hey, you know, congrats on your state championship. They started talking. They, they asked me, Coach, what, what position do you coach? I said, I don't coach a position. I'm the director of college recruiting. Well, what is that? And I started explaining to them. They're like, man, we don't have that here. That's all on us. we got to do all that on our own. 
And I and both of my players looked at me and said, they both said, wow, coach, I didn't know that. And I was like, you guys don't understand how good you have it yeah. when you've got coaches here like myself, Coach Wiggins, our whole staff that's here to help you. We've got we've got people on our staff that have gone through the recruiting process before, mm-hmm. right? They have access to people that come back to Cal all the time. They have access to Tank Bigsby. They have access to Braylon Sanders. They have access to Keandre Jones, Tate Johnson, guys like that. Terry Godwin when he comes back, right? About the recruiting process, right? So, those are all things that I like to keep in perspective. Of there are people out there that don't get this, but what we do try to to provide here is teaching kids how to market themselves. You know, you. Our colleges, it's like, okay, this weekend we were at Notre Dame. Notre Dame said, I'm investing a quarter of a billion dollars in you. I sat there and said, wow. You don't think think of it it that way. right? So you have to give them a reason to want to invest a quarter of a billion dollars in your education and on a scholarship. Right. Right? And so these kids have to understand of, of, I try to share a lot of things with them of what you put on social media matters. Absolutely. People will come back and look and see what you like, what you share, who you follow, what you put out there. It'll always come back. Always. And they, and they, all these, especially these big schools have social media departments where they can go look this stuff up. Right. Mm -hmm. The other things here too is that I try to talk about is I don't care if you're the best football player in, in Muskogee County. If you don't have good grades, you're not going to play college football. That's simple. It's, it's as simple as that. <laughs> I mean, it goes without saying that there's a reason why it's you're called a student athlete. Right. Comes first always, y'all. You, you've got to. The, the, the grades have got to come first. The, and that's what's that, – that if, if I could share a message with any kid out there is your grades have to matter to you. If they don't matter to you, you're not going to make it to that next level. There's nothing I can do at that point. Because uh, that's the first question I get is if a, if a coach likes film, is what are his grades? That's the, that is the next question I get, all right? And if I don't have a good answer for him, guess what happens? Well, uh-huh. I appreciate your time, Coach, but, you know, just let me know if you got anybody else. On to the next one. On to the next one. Because I said this in a thread the other day, a coach at Notre Dame had mentioned this too. We have a 1,000 kids competing for one spot. Why should I pick you? So you have to think about it. If you're going on a visit, you're, yeah, you're, you're not unique to someone. There, there's other kids there visiting that play the same position as you. Yep. This is anywhere you go. Mm-hmm. This is from Valdosta State to the University of Georgia. This is from Troy to Notre Dame. Is you've got all these kids competing for the opportunity, and, and kids don't understand that recruiting is so different now. With COVID, you got the extra the, everyone got an extra year because of COVID that they can mm-hmm. cash in on, right? Now you've got the transfer portal where you can you get a, a freebie, you get a basically you get a, a get out of jail free card one time. You can transfer where you want to go. Um, you know, it's, and it's like I said earlier, you know, you, I had a, a Division One D.C. tell me that, hey, this year I'm taking, you know, I'm taking over 10 kids in the sign class, taking 10, 12 kids. Only three of them are going to be high school seniors because I'm going to go into the transfer portal and get someone from Alabama or LSU or Georgia that I know can play at this level because I'm coaching for my job every Saturday. That's what these kids have to keep in mind, that that just because being, you know, if you think you're D1 is is – if you think you're going to play at that level, you need to know what you're getting into at that point. Yeah, is how is you have an uphill battle, you know, and and you th- and you see, you know, last year what a lot of these kids last year in signing day went through. A lot of kids that you felt were, you know, power five SEC kids ended up playing at lesser, you know, lesser classifications, and it wasn't because they're not good enough. It's because there was simply no room. Yeah, at these bigger schools because the scholarships didn't increase. Right. right? 
And you, and you even see it on Saturdays when like, you hear the broadcast, like, oh, this kid, former player at this school, former player at this mm-hmm. school. And then yeah. they're, they're immediately starting. From a coach's point of view, I get it. But I also see from your point of view, on the other side of that equation, a lot of kids have a huge uphill battle for that. They do, because if you think about it, everything comes down a notch. Yep. Okay, so if I'm transferring from a power five down, that means your your group of five, so your Troys, your Georgia States, your Georgia Southerns, are gonna, they're going to cash in on those yeah. guys that maybe they didn't have access to in the past. Exactly. So that means your guys that, you, that, you, that are probably going to would have played at those programs as high school seniors, they're probably looking at high-end D2 programs at that point. Yeah. And that's where everything changes is you don't get full mm-hmm. rides at D2s, right? There's a lot of things. That's where the grades matter so much at this point is yep. the better your grades, the more money you're going to get to go to school, mm-hmm. whether it be from that school, from a scholarship, from hope, from – there's a lot of things that go into this. It's one of the things you can definitely control in, your, in, in this crazy world. One you, can you can control, control that. that. Control your grades. Yeah. That's there's not much in the recruiting process you can control, but that you can. Right. And, and that's the biggest thing, too, and I just explained to the kids is, is yes, I, I talk to these schools, but you have to put skin in the game, too. Yeah. Is if, are you promoting yourself? After every game, are you updating your highlights and putting them out there? You know, I tell kids this. Make a list of five dream schools and then five schools that are kind of maybe local, maybe a more realistic opportunity, but just put it out there. All these schools have websites, Right. It's all public information. Mm-hmm. And this is what I do. Go find who coaches your position. If you're a running back, you want to play running back at Georgia, guess what? Go look up Georgia's uh, page. Dell McGee coaches the running backs. Go follow him on Twitter. Yep. You know what I mean? Or find his email or something. Yes. Shoot him a message. Shoot him a DM. You know? Now, they have rules of how they can and can't contact you, right? So you have to keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, though, is all this is public information is if you want to play at the next level, there are tools for you to find this information and help yourself, yep. right? Because what I do is I'm not – look, what we provide as a recruiting staff is we try to be a tool to help them get to the next level. We're not the tool. And anyone that acts like they are, they're lying to themselves right here, right? This is – the kids have to put in that work too. Mm-hmm. They have to. And if they don't, on signing day, they're going to get the, the – you know they're going to they're going to reap what they sow at that point. If you didn't put any work in, don't wonder why you don't have any offers at this point. If you put in work, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get those offers. Somebody is going to find you. Right. And you, and I think you see this in this community as well. If you're if you're a Power 5 kid, when I say Power 5, I mean SEC, ACC, teams like that. The schools will find you. Yeah. Okay? If you've got the measurables, they're going to find you. Like like Michael Williams, right? So he has got the prototypical frame for a, a power five football program. He's a really good player, right? Yeah. He is going to have people lining up and beating down the door for his services. If you're a six foot, 175 pound defensive back that has a 2.6 GPA, you're going to have a hard time, right? You're going to have a hard time finding a home. It just, <laughs> at, at the end of the day, you're going to have a hard time. You could be the best football player in the world, but if your grades are, are borderline, they're going to go with that kid that has similar film, but he's a 3.0 kid. Exactly. You Less know? headaches outside of the field. Right. And, and, and that is, the, that is the, the absolute truth in all this, is you can, you can be a baller on Fridays, but you need to be a baller Monday through Friday in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Or well, else, that's that's you know? a saying. That needs to be on a T-shirt. Yeah, that really does. <laughs> well, it, <laughs> or on a banner somewhere. Well, it's what I tell our kids is I have no problem having the rough conversations. I even talk to the parents about this, too, is – you know, every parent, I've learned this. Look, I have, I don't have kids, okay? So mm-hmm. I don't, mm-hmm. I am not a parent. 
but I have coached enough around it to understand the process of oh, every parent thinks their kid should go to Notre Dame and be the starting quarterback and also the starting shortstop on that team and also the starting point guard, right? Because that's what they did their whole life. Yeah. Right? When they get to this level where they're competing with tens of thousands of other kids across the country for those spots, I, I think some have a hard time coming to grips that they are not what they they're not who they thought they were. But that doesn't mean that they don't have good opportunities that can be in front of them. It might be a path that they thought they weren't going to take, right? So you've been the best player in your team your whole life, but you're, you're the only things you have in front of you are maybe a Division three team or an NAIA team. That's a blessing. Yeah. Because guess it's what? Still a, it's still a door. It's a door, and someone believed enough in you to offer you a scholarship. And not, and not yeah. to mention they're offering to pay for your education. Yes, 100%. And that's what people need to understand is there's a lot of people that like to clout chase. And I talk to sure. our seniors about this. I talk to our juniors, our sophomores, is, okay, I try to get our kids out to visit as many schools as possible because I want them to see what's out there. At every level? At every yeah. level. I want them to see what's out there as best as we can, right? So I will line up visits. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes I go. Sometimes Andrew needs a Saturday off because I've got a lot going on, right? But mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm sure your wife wants you home. Yes. So <laughs> – that, and shout out to her. She's our team videographer, so she's with me every Friday night putting in mm-hmm. work, too. Hey, she's a, she's an MVP, man. She's, she's amazing. Yes. Question, did she get that one-handed catch of Trayon? Yes, she got that. Because, of course, she did. She got that, and I will give credit to our photographer, Garrett Pelt. His son, Carter, mm-hmm. was also in the end zone and got a, got a uh, captured that. So fantastic. He did a great job with that. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, man, it's just the recruiting process is, is crazy right now. Yeah. But and I'll, my advice to everyone out there is, talk to your coaches, man. Ask them what 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 you can do to help improve yourself. But at the end of the day, like we talked about, the one thing you can have control over is you can always practice hard, and you can do what you need to do in the classroom. That's what you can control, right? And if you do those things, you'll be all right. But you know, I, I'll cl- I kind of you know one thing I see a lot is on social media. You see a lot of kids that post. You know, they want – I feel like some kids are more interested in, in social media clout mm-hmm. of being D1. They like the idea mm-hmm. of being D1, but they don't like the process of being D1, you know. And that's why I tell my kids, do you, do you want to go somewhere? So so for 30 minutes on signing day, you're the coolest person in the world. Oh, Or you went on a visit to a school that you're probably not ever going to go to. You know, because let's be honest, if a team like Georgia wants you, you'll know. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't have to convince them about you. If a team like Auburn wants you, you'll know. Pretty soon, right? Yeah. So my thing is focus less on visits and social media clout and focus more on having good grades and good film. Because that's another thing too, is if you're not if you don't have film, if you're not starting, if you're not if you don't have varsity film yet, that doesn't matter at that point. Yes, you can go look cool and say, Hey, I'm here, I throw up my deuces, I've got my badge on, I'm cool over here is but at the end of the day, if you don't have tape to back that up, no one cares. It just is what it is at that point. So um but, you know, there's so much – I mean, that recruiting thing, man, it, you, you could do a four-part series on this about yeah. recruiting. Um, I've got kids that reach out to me from other schools with questions. Wow. You know, and, and, I, and I feel it puts me in an awkward position because, you know, obviously you don't want to violate any rules here or anything like that. But it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I get a lot of kids that will ask me recruiting questions. So what I'll do is I'll just email their head coach and say, hey, so-and-so reached out about this. You know, maybe you have a conversation. I don't know. I'm not trying to tell you how to do your job. I'm just saying he's reaching out. So I, I think wanted, that's fair. You know what I mean? That's very yeah. fair. So, so if he's reaching out, he needs help. 
So, exactly. you know, I, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't, maybe he is embarrassed to ask you. Maybe he doesn't have, the, I don't know. Some people are awkward when it comes to, and you don't want to step mm-hmm. for you. You don't want to step on toes. No, exactly. Not at all. You know, and if a kid has a general question about stuff, I'll, I'll tell him what I just told you. I mean, go follow them on social media is a powerful tool. Yes. Very much so. You got to use it to your advantage. And I will say this too, like for, for people out there casually listening or listening to this, follow Andrew's Twitter. He, you put out a lot of really good nuggets that I, I try to retweet as much as possible. I appreciate that. It's like, Hey, listen to this. I think you recently put out a, a thread about like 10 points mm-hmm. that you heard from, from a certain school. I'm like, this is all just really good stuff. And at the end of the day, it's all about helping the kids. So for yeah. you in your role, what a signing day like, man, it's, it's, it's a roller coaster because you're still fielding calls up into the moment you're making your speech. Oh man. About the kids. So you're still until you, until you put pen to paper, right? It, it, it really is. I mean, I, I'll tell you last year on signing day, I had a few kids get offers at the last minute and, and that's just the nature day of, of the day of, wow. day of, and it, you know, it's one of those things too. Signing day is such a roller coaster because you've got so many emotions for kids, right? So you've got, you got some kids that are just living their dream. At what, you know, they're signing with the the program of their dreams. They're happy. You've got others that maybe uh, have to go maybe a JUCO route, or maybe things didn't work out for them in the classroom, or or, or something like that, or disciplinary reasons. So they they go a, a path less traveled. They're a little bit more serious, right? They 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 understand like, okay, I'm going to go play, but I, this is this is a business trip right here. Mm-hmm. I've got to go and and take care of business so I can get back into where. I can go to where I want to go. Yeah. Right. It's just, there's so many emotions, but at the end of the day though, that day is just so special to see those kids get an opportunity to play at the next level. Um, but one thing I do as well is I also, it, it doesn't have to be just football is if we have kids who want to go to work, I figure out who do we need to talk to That's awesome. about that. Right. Like I work in the HVAC industry. I have a senior who wants to be in the HVAC industry. Well, guess who has connections? You do. Right. So I'm, uh, you know that that's not going to get the same publicity as signing with Georgia Tech is fair, mm-hmm. but that's I do things like that behind the scenes too. Is say who do we need to talk to to help you get where you to where you are successful? If you want to just be a student, you know what I mean. There's opportunities. You know, if you want to be a student and maybe you want to work it with a cool job, work equipment on a football team or uniforms. And or we've work, seen this. Yes. Now. Yeah. That, that is actually really dope seeing equipment managers get scholarships. That, that's really, really sick. So just there's all kinds of opportunities that football can provide on signing day outside of just a football scholarship. Yeah. So those are all things we try to do for our players. Absolutely, man. It's incredible. What has been the most rewarding part of being the recruiting coordinator? I'll say getting to give back to the program that gave me a lot. Um, and, and getting to work with the head coach, that um, means a lot to me. A uh, guy uh, has a heart of gold, as you know. Uh, and, and, and the biggest thing, too, is I try to – it just makes it, just, it makes my day to see the kids get opportunities to go do things that they enjoy on Friday nights and, and compete, win championships, uh, to see uh, – you know, like this weekend, I, we had a, a substantial number of kids get to go on visits – that from, was really cool. You know, yeah, we so, saw that. Uh, we have another big weekend scheduled this weekend as well. Uh, you know, just things like that. It's just so rewarding to see uh, them get to live out their hopes and dreams as well. But uh, ultimately, just giving back to a school that meant a lot to me. And I hope, I hope what I do will motivate the next Andrew Carraway, whoever that is, to to want to give back in that same kind of capacity when they get when they're able to do it. Last question for you, Andrew, because I think we got to get – we could talk to you all day, for uh, real. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, my gosh, this hour is flown, flown by. We're up against it, fellas. Yeah. Yeah. What does Coach Wiggins mean to that community? 
Oh man, he is, uh, man, he is so special. That community. He he came in, uh, he resurrected a football program that was kind of uh, had kind of flatlined, uh, kind of, you know, kind of just teetered along, and he really turned it into something special. Uh, if if anyone's ever been to Hogan'sville, Georgia, I think they I think they've upgraded. I think they got two stoplights now. They may still have one, but they, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, they got a couple of fast food restaurants. I drove a, by the com- combination Family Dollar Dollar Tree. That's where that's at. Yeah, that's where that's at. Don't nice. don't don't blink. You know, because <laughs> you'll pass by it, yeah, and then and then it's over. We drove by. Remember when we came back from the that's state, right the state championships yep. in Alabama, yeah. going to yep. Greenville for the playoffs in basketball. That was yeah. crazy. And we day. drove. Yeah, we, we drove past that's it on the way. That's right. Yeah, yeah okay, that cool. was in Hogan'sville. Oh, that's Hogan's okay, cool. Ville. So a little town like that, you've put them on the map, and and I think Coach Wiggins is is will always be adored in that community. Uh, he means a lot to those guys. Um, you know, he's got a lot of support there, and I. I think the cool thing about Coach Wiggins is I, I don't see him, you know, uh, going anywhere anytime soon. So I think he's gonna be one of those lifers that is uh, he'll be a Callaway Cavalier for a long time. So I think he he definitely has made his mark on that community. Andrew, I, I have to argue too. Well, see, like well said. You, well said, but you're also making a, a huge impact as well. Exactly. A lot of these kids are getting a guiding hand, a ver- uh, someone who who, tr- who they trust. Who loves them and as you see like other other kids are like wow they, that school does it for you and it's all part of the servant leadership you guys are doing at callaway and you're right you're you are foolish to not mention callaway when you're talking about powerhouse football now exactly so, right you know we'll, m- safe travels again unfortunately we have to wrap this up stick around for a little bit man but uh yet again jack we do this whole thing and we get in- inspired yes, yet sir. another one another one man um at this point i'm gonna be stunned <laughs> the first time we're not no, but I think that's just a testament. Thank you to Andrew for joining us. I mean, to everyone who's a Callaway Cavalier, grades, grades, mm-hmm. grades uh, and matter. Not, not just to Callaway, but everywhere. You right. know, this. You know, whether you go to Callaway or whether you go to any school in the area or, you know, if you're listening to this outside the area, you know, this is an opportunity for you to, you know, get insight into what it takes, what the recruiting process is like and what it takes. And after all, just the revitalization of the Callaway Cavalier That's program amazing. as well, man. It's incredible. Uh, let's get ready to wrap this thing up. But one more question for you, Mr. Caraway. Before we go, we always ask this question. There it is. Who would you like to see in your chair right now for a future episode of On Your Sidelines? Plus, we need your help to get them. Okay, a good a good one. I think I think I think you guys should absolutely one hundred percent. Get Kevin Eckleberry. I oh knew, wow! You yes, were going to say this. The I legend that is Kevin Eckleberry. Yes. My God, that is going to happen. That yes. man does that an incredible. Shout out to Kevin Eckleberry, yes. real quick. An amazing reporter for that area. That is going to happen. Yeah, I think that I think he, you'd hit a home run there. And and before we go to, I want to give a shout out. They don't get this. Callaway coaching staff, all the assistant coaches, man, they are the true MVPs of all this. Hey, you know, facts. without all Agreed. this. They they don't do it for the glory. They'll be the first ones to 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 dip out when it comes to reporters and stuff. But I'll tell you <laughs> been this: there. They, been there and done they that. Don't do it for the glory, but they deserve all the praise, man. They they are an awesome group of guys. You know what they say: it takes a team, man. Right. It really does, and you guys do an amazing job. But that'll do it for another episode of On Your Sidelines. Before we go, Rex, where can they find us, guys? Thank you so much for joining us again. Again, every episode you can see on wrbl.com, but check us out on Apple, Spotify, and iHeart. I'm getting better at that. Finally, yes, he nailed it, Jack. On social media, we try to post as much as we can. Where can they find us? You can find us on Twitter at Jay Patterson TV at Rex Castillo TV, plus on Facebook. WRBL Jack Patterson, WRBL Rex Castillo. Follow the News 3 Sports accounts as well. WRBL Sports on Twitter. 
WRBO News 3 Sports on Facebook. Hey, Rex, take us home, my man. Man, thank you so much again to Andrew Carraway. One thing again, you can be a baller on Friday nights, be a baller in the classroom Monday through Friday, and everything Agreed. will take care of itself. Practice hard, control the controllables. Guys, thank you again to Andrew Carraway. We'll see you guys in a couple weeks right here on your sidelines. See you then. We'll catch you later, guys.